Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with One Rental at a Time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag One Rental at a Time. Now on with the show. Welcome to the first Three Amigos long-form podcast. Shout out Graham Stephan for this recommendation. We are going to talk about billionaires destroying the housing market. We're going to talk about Gary Vee and what he says about 2024. And finally, we're going to talk about YouTube AdSense rashing, which will destroy many content creators. Who are the Three Amigos? Of course, it is Dion from Dion Talk and Matt the Lumberjack and myself. One rental at a time. Dion, how you doing? Howdy. I'm doing great. I, I like that you, you want to call this the first long form content. And you've con- commented many times on me and Matt doing two or three hour lives. And you're like, oh, I don't know how you do that. But how many videos do you actually record on an average day that just are just <laughs> chopped? You know, like, so. Fair enough. Fair enough. Po- point well taken. Point well taken. Matt, how you doing? Doing super awesome. Excited to talk about this. Looks like the Crash Bros are going to have to find another thing to side hustle. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. They're, uh, they were failed mortgage brokers. They're going to be failed content creators, but we'll save that for a spicy episode or, or portion number, number three. Let's mm. get into this concept. I'm seeing more and more that billionaires are going to destroy the single family housing market. There's a company called arrived, which Jeff Bezos has backed. Uh, that is another example of deep pocketed investors coming in and scooping up single family homes for mom and pop ultimately taking us to a point where 40% of single family homes by 2030 may be owned by the wealthy. Dion, I know you've done some reading on this. I know it's a passionate topic for you. So why don't you set us up? What do you got? We often say that the solution to the housing crisis isn't no landlords. It isn't government subsidies. It is more housing. More investors investing in new builds could be a possible solution. So while a lot of people are going to say, if the big corporations are buying houses and they're taking them off the market, that could be a problem if a large enough percentage of them did. But if they are buying new builds and they are funding the builds that wouldn't happen because the buyers aren't there, I see it as a possible solution. I think Arrive isn't that big of an impact on the pool. I mean, it's $123 million funded so far, little over 300 properties in 50 something markets, right? So it's not like they've gone nationwide, they're putting $17 billion into this, but it's the stepping stone. Right. Right. Kind of kind of like taxes. The the income tax comes out. It's only going to hit people who make over three thousand dollars a year when that was like millionaire status back in the day. And then it trickles down to everyone is paying taxes. I think if Arrive does this successfully, there are a lot of other companies that have a lot more money. We we see those charts of the richest people. And it, you know the top hundred people, those the richest person owns a fraction of what the richest companies do. So they have the money to deploy to do these kind of things. So I think legislation will come in. I think it's good for mom and pop investors because where we benefit the most is we find the problem property that nobody wants that has the tenant issues that has the rehab that needs or the light rehab that needs done the the makeup stuff, and we do that. Zillow showed us that the larger the corporation, the more AI that's used. Right, they they lost a half a billion to five hundred and fifty eight million dollars or whatever, 
by saying, oh, let's let's do this as a big company. And I think that there is going to be opportunity the more the large corporations try to get involved in something that it takes macro control to do. And they're going to use uh, uh, micro rules to do this and it isn't going to work. Yeah. Uh, Matt, I know I sprung this on you. I know you've done a little bit of research on this. Any thoughts on the billionaires destroying the housing market, maybe getting to 40% by 2030, 40% ownership? Yeah. I mean, I think that honestly, I think all of those numbers don't take into account how much building is going to shift in the next 10 years. Mm, tell me and more. so what I believe is going to shift most importantly in the next 10 years, because, uh, you know, Jeff, you can hire me tomorrow. I'm available for you. Uh, I'll work a W two. These guys will attest to that. Um, <laughs> yeah, just, he's still working a W two, but yeah, that's you know, I just want I just want a piece of the pie. Um, but the issue is, is that these guys are all technologists, right? They're all technologists. Why are technologists not using technology? The technology of future builds is three D printing homes. That's the technology, and that's what's going to take root. The issue is, is that as you would have guessed it, all of these cities, towns counties, states, they're all really far behind in being able to approve this type of a build. Now, the issue is, is that when a powerful person like Jeff Bezos or that company gets involved, they can move the needle. They can move the needle in a couple of markets, create a blueprint, and then take that blueprint through the rest of the country. So I believe in 10 years, the affordability of housing is going to be, uh, is, is going to be gone. I think affordability is going to be here. I think non-affordability is out. I think that they're going to be printing homes at an unbelievable pace, you can literally print and finish a home in under 30 days. You can't do that with a stick build. You can't do that with any other type of build. I just want to make sure I heard you correctly because the audience yeah. may, may have missed it. You're basically saying we're going to fix the supply problem. If you're yep. able to fix the supply problem with cheaper builds, prices yep. will prices will go down is what yep. you're saying. Yep. Okay. Yep. I believe that that's what's going to happen. I think it's going to be, um, you know, as I see houses being built with 3D printing, you can build a modest 1500 square foot, three bed, two bath home for a less than 200K. Mm, that's awesome. Can't, can't do that really much of anywhere else, even when you add land and connections and things like that. So I'm, I'm interested to see, because I think the landscape, I think the game changes in the next 10 years. Mm, and that's what awesome. I see happening. I, I see the high end, high amenity buildings getting absolutely decimated. Because the people that can afford that can afford to buy these these other homes. On right. the mid-tier, the Bs and the Cs and the Ds, they're right. apartment-driven forever. But that's more lack of discipline and finances on their part than it is anything right. else. Yeah, I think I think you brought up something really interesting. I want to tie this in with the All In podcast, the All In podcast with Chamath and, and uh, Sachs and all those guys from the weekend. They were actually talking about United or Boeing. Actually, it was Boeing. Sorry, Boeing. And all the problems they're having. Yeah. And basically all of the regulation around building yes. airplanes yes. and all the toxic, you know, pilot union, this and this regulation and mm -hmm. basically making it inefficient into duopoly with Boeing and Airbus. What mm -hmm. you were talking about with housing, it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. Why is housing so expensive? Because all of these competing things want their piece of money and their empire slows it down, adds costs. So I think, uh, you know, I think housing's ripe for Absolutely. some capitalism. You know, absolutely make it cheaper and, I, and and there's there's you know about two or three dozen companies that make 3d printers for housing they're all over the world um i'm looking to buy one but before i buy one i want to know from the state and the town that i'm going to build it in 
that I'm not going to deal with the. Yeah, you can go ham. I've never right? seen you that before. Go, right, right. Yeah, right. I know. I know. I'm new. I'm high. And yeah, so exactly. that's what I don't want to have to deal with. And so we have to get it further along before an investment like that's made. But at that point, we cut building costs by 40 to 50%. Well, let's just let's just call it what it is. You get that proof point in one medium-sized city or town. Correct. It will become the answer and it will Correct. be, you know, photocopied everywhere. Correct. Right? Or yep. mostwhere. Right. So that's yep. pretty cool. Well, let's go back to arrived because I've done some yep. some digging on arrived. And this is J Jeff Bezos company. There's a couple of things about it that make it unique, which will probably make it really splashy. One is you and I could invest in it, right? With as little as a hundred bucks. They're basically making landlording fractional ownership, right? You can own a, a percent of this, a 2% of that. You can you can build a portfolio of ownership. So it's pooling capital um, without being an accredited investor. I think that's unique. Dion's point is right. It's 300 homes. I mean, the three of us together have more than that. So it's not really, you know, that big a deal. But I think the biggest point I think it was Dion that brought this up. Um, companies with cash, a la Zillow, a la Redfin, a la all the, you know, those people that were buying online with algorithms, they're just going to lose a lot of money. And a company like Arrived in the single family housing market is going to go bust because the margin's not there, right? You and I, run small single family homes. And at the end of the day, we have, I don't know, 10, 12, 15, 20% net on the bottom line after all of that, especially if you have property management. Think about a company like Arrived who's got VP of this and VP of that and this and Correct. that and this and that and this and that. There's just no margin. It's just not going to work. Now, if you step back and you say, well, look at Invitation Homes. Well, okay, Invitation Homes, largest owner of homes, they they started you know, they started at the right time. If you can buy for 30 cents on the dollar, go ham, right? So right. you can't do that when you're buying at 98 cents on the dollar. It just doesn't work long-term. So well, with, with, with our executive background, Mike, right? Oh, yeah. We set quotas. Mm -hmm. The number that you got, we won't tell the sales reps. Yeah. The number that you got was 10 million bucks. Right. And what was your over assignment down to the bottom tier? 20 million. Well, oh, it's God. Bottom tier. Yeah. Uh, it, it depends on how many levels, but it could be as bad as 40%. You could be 40% oversubscribed. Right. So right. what that means, everybody, is that this is exactly the levels that Mike's talking about. When you have a VP down to multiple directors, down to dozens of managers, down to a few dozen supervisors, and then you have that bottom tier of that, that worker. Mm -hmm. When you go five layers deep, you're going to have to go from a $10 million number that you've been set up for. And now you're assigning 14 million, 16 million. Exactly. Well, who's buying houses at a 40% discount where you can do that to break even that just breaks yeah, you even. That's break even. Yeah. That's break exactly. even. That's exactly. not profit. That's break even. Yeah. yeah. So again, I don't think I don't see arrived or frankly, any a uh, single family home operator, even if they have deep pockets making an indent in existing home sales today, I think they'll lose their ass. But Dion again, brought up an excellent point. If arrived decided, you know what, we're going to go by somewhere between 10 and 20 acres in cities with a million or more people. 
and we're going to build a minimum of 225 units up to 400 units. We're going to fund it. We're going to build it. It's going to be our build for rent community. That could work. Yep. Because again, if you do it right and you work out the efficiencies and you buy all the same stuff and you have the same colors and you don't, you, it, it's just all the same, you probably can make that work. And to Dion's point, that's not competition, right? No. We're not buying the same stuff. No. They're going to work out the, you know, they're going to add more units, which net net is deflationary. Uh, so again, I would hope Arrived or any other players realizes that today's not the time to try to become invitation homes because that's a recipe to be bankrupt. But you want to go build some homes and get really, really good at building rental homes? Uh, I say go for it. That that could only help uh, the U.S. housing markets. Dion, closing thoughts on topic one? So if you follow the logic chain there, if I can't assume, but if somebody smart at Arrive realizes, okay, the margin's not really good on this, but what's changed in the last three years the most is the number of remote workers, right? That's what I've said many times. That's why the kind of the affordability index is broken. So where the boom is going to come from companies like Arrive that would do build to rent communities, it's going to be, where do remote workers want to move? Good weather, no income tax. Good weather, good income tax, good uh, connectivity. And so that's the, when they when they do the build, they have to build for connectivity because it's going to be remote work. They have to build. And so the, the other investors, so maybe not our um, one rental at a time community, but our commercial investors who think, okay, I yeah. want to own the next place Taco Bell is going to put in a um, whatever they call, mm -hmm. franchise or whatever remote workers are going to do for their DoorDash or their, you know, the, the, the local hub shopping that happens in those communities. I think it's almost like a planned environment for remote work would happen if yeah. somebody had arrived said okay let me take these 400 acres in arizona where there is nothing yep. they basically just built an entire infrastructure for a city for a chip factory because we saw that when we yep. shifted from tried to shift from gas-powered vehicles to electric vehicles an electric vehicle has 10x the number of chips so a, a regular gas car has around 300 an electric vehicle has over 3,000. so there was a shortage because it was all of a sudden a greater need. So they built a whole city for that. I think when we see that Arrive is going to put this money to work, there's not a lot of margin in the in the, the type of work that we do where you have to go, okay, I've got to oh. find the deal, study the market, like do all of this work for 60 to 90 days before I'm even making offers on something where they just want to go, okay, we're going to deploy the funds. What's the yield? Uh, that's what we might see in the next, I would say five to 10 years is, yeah. is pop-up communities for remote work. I like it. I like it. Well, let's switch to topic number two. We're going to go to Matt first on this one because I know we both watch Gary V. Gary yeah. V was giving a keynote speech. I saw a little clip of it. It just gives me goosebumps. He's basically saying, all righty, folks, the pandemic's over. That's enough learning. That's enough reading books. Get off your butt and do something. What do you think of good old Gary V's message about 2024? I think we're going to see a lot more social media. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? What do you tell me, tell me what you so mean. That, that's what Gary talks about. Right. So when he talks about it, cause I've sat, I, I've, I've watched the sit-ins on his, uh, on his hour long lunches that he takes. Yeah. He sits there for an hour and a half and he has 10 people pay 15,000 bucks to sit there for that time with him. That's their access. Wow. And every single time in his first two questions or three questions, it is how much social media are you doing? Mm. And whatever it is, quadruple it. Yeah. So it is more shorts. It's more long form. It's more cut up. I mean, 
honestly, you know, I, I, you know what? I want to push back on that a little bit. Go for it. I actually think what Gary V is moving to, in my opinion, now I could be completely mm-hmm. wrong, is I think he's now telling people, if you want to go make money, like he's big on flipping like garage sales. I know you do that with your yep. kids on the weekends. I do. I do. He's like, guys, if you if you want to go do flipping, you know, garage flipping or couch flipping or real estate mm-hmm. or whatever it is, start doing that. Stop reading books. Stop yeah. watching podcasts. Go do some actual activity. Get your hands dirty. Put money at risk. Stop with the motivation. Go, go, go. That's what I think he's going for. Yeah, I think he is, but I think, you know, he he does it for the person, but he also does it for the small business. He's very entrepreneurial, so everything he, every all of his approach is entrepreneur, entrepreneur, entrepreneur. You know, his big thing is, you know, he literally tells employers all the time, listen, if a kid can go out and do something and make 50 grand a year, why the hell we want to come work for you for 40 grand a year? Or even 50 or even 60. Or even 60, want, yeah. Right. Exactly. They want to go and they want to play video games. And if they found a way to get on Twitch and get a following, they're going to make a lot more money than they are showing up at the office working for some old guy like Gary V. And oh. his and his customers who are even older. And yeah, so, yeah, that's so at the end of the day, I think that we're going to see a lot more social media because I think that okay. it's going to be, you know, how do flippers, right? Flippers start to get a social media following. Then when they get that social media following, then what are they doing? They're posting, hey, I just got this. And having 50 people instead of five people look at it, I know a couple flippers of product like that. And it's really cool. I look forward to their post every single time because they got 30 or 40 new things in there that they just did at estate sales this week or yard sales or whatever. They post it and there's almost always a couple really cool things in there. And so I think what he's going to be pushing with people is building your individual brand, these side Mm. hustles becoming your main hustle. And so whether you are a individual or a small business, it's going to be brand, 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 get your name out, get your name out. What do well, you do? Are you passionate about it? I want to hit there? one more thing. Cause I think yeah. you got it, but I, mm-hmm. I'm hearing it reverse order. I think yeah. what Gary is getting at. And I agree with this. Go do something, go buy that cool thing. Go do, do go to anything. five garage and then do document anything. it. Yeah. Right. Do That's anything. the order. Yeah. yeah. The, the issue is, is that he, that, that, there's a bunch of posers in the market that should never be entrepreneurs because they, they don't think that way. They don't think that way. What you need to be is you need to be your skill set along with that entrepreneurial skill set because then you'll get rich. That entrepreneur needs that piece of you, which is that methodical piece, that piece that, you know, time to make the donuts guy in the morning. He needs that piece while he's working on the next idea of how to totally revolutionize whatever it is you're doing. So I think the the key to that is going to be that he's been screaming at people for years and years and years. Um, and very often it's the people that have measured 34 times. They still have not cut once. Yeah. And so <laughs> he has they to- They don't even have them. a saw. They're like, they're just they're, measuring. Exactly. They're so afraid of failure. They're so yeah. afraid of it. The yeah. faster you don't get afraid of failure, the faster you understand that failure is part of the creative process, man, you'll be so much happier. And more than likely, you'll be far more successful. Yeah, you know what I would tell people is stop using the F word. It's not a failure. It's a it's a it's a learning lesson, right? You, you know you know what you know what doesn't work. So, uh, Dion, what what do you think about this twenty twenty four? This is real. When I saw this pitch, um, I didn't think about me. I didn't even really think about Matt. I thought about Dion, right? Because you're in the parking lot. You're dealing with drunk idiots who like to talk big, make a lot of noise you know, talk like they're doing stuff and then they stay in the parking lot and get drunk. So I was thinking about you going, all right, how do we get these people actually doing something? Whatever, whatever something is, what do you think? 
So, uh, well, I think it's one of the more challenging things is to get people to understand that financial freedom is possible. Hey, come out of this and get, get into the stand and figure out how to get onto the field. I think it's the most rewarding, right? And and so kind of to, to bring the, the train onto the right track, whenever I talk about the crash bros, I use the term, the dumbening continues. The so, dumbening continues. I like it. Right. Tell me more. So two days later, there's a new reason for the crash. Next week, there's a new reason. So the, the dumbening just continues. So in the case of getting people to take action, this is the way I mentally process it. The saddening continues. Yeah. Ooh. So it's sad that there are uneducated people who are poor and broke and aren't going to change their situation because they're not going to educate themselves. They're just going to rail against everybody and they're going to blame landlords. They're not going to blame the government. They're going to blame companies like Arrive for buying properties that they were never going to buy. And so that's sad. But where it gets sadder, so it continues, is somebody who takes the time to take in the content who watches all of the channels of the people who've done what they want to do. They have a rental portfolio. They have financial freedom and they watch and they watch. And I get to interact with people like Dividend Dave, Josh and Mary, Jared and Curtis, where two years ago, Dave and Joe and Josh and Mary kind of reached out at the first level. Let's meet for lunch. We're two years later. Um, Josh and Mary own a duplex. Dave's got a duplex and he's got a couple of long distance investments because he's working with Millennial Mike's you know, area of Gary, Indiana. And we get to see that, but it was a two-year journey. So there are some people who watch a bunch of content. They don't reach financial freedom in six months. So they wasted all of the time watching that content because they just quit. And then you have events like this weekend. I was at the Christian and Cody multifamily strategies event at the Robin Hood Resort. So I'm there with Millennial Mike. Matt uh, presented. We, me and Mike hung out in the evening for that, um, the gather that you're having on Friday before your um, February event. We were there for three hours. Two people sat at our table for pretty much the whole time. And there was a lot of people there that I could tell were taking notes and learning, but they, they, I don't know that they're going to take the action of the people like Jared and Curtis who came and sat at the table and literally like picked our brains as deep as you can get for free for hours to just sit there. And I'm looking forward because, you know, Curtis, uh, I've been, he's in our local meetup group. He's, he's house hacking and he's looking for that next property. And Jared's doing a very unique type of investing, which, which I really like what he's doing. I look forward to the people who are watch the content, take action. I feel sad, an actual feeling, right? It's the only time I don't feel anger. So I get a little sad in there is the people who put all the time, energy, and effort into learning how this works, how to do it, learn their market, learn everything, but then sit there and go, I'm afraid. Yeah. Instead of here's the fear I'm going to have no matter what, here's how I mitigated it. So here's how I'm taking action. So I think I'm with Gary Vee, right? This take action. That doesn't mean jump in, try to do everything in six months. It means that there is a right time. Once you've studied a market for 60 to 90 days and you realize your asset that you're studying doesn't cash flow, doesn't work. Maybe after you study your, your thing for a year, you go from Sacramento to Fresno. Yeah. Maybe you study it for a year. I go from single family to small multifamily, whatever that shift is, that's taking action. But you yep. you took the time to study to make sure it worked or not. And if it does, then you take action. And if not, you shift and then you find the one that does. But, and this is the warning to anybody that's this far in the video. Don't be the person who has the knowledge because that's the person who will have regret. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think there are so many things that, you know, the three of us obviously have chosen to earn financial freedom via, you know, landlording and buy and hold real estate. But when I think about Gary Vee and I go, you know, go back to what we were talking about, yard sailing or, or garage sales or whatever it is, you know, something I'm trying to lead by example, which is a big deal for me, is every Sunday morning I'm sharing a spreadsheet, how I'm trying to make 2024 better for me, right? Things I'm trying to do, because I thought 2023 was a just a, a missed opportunity year because I, I didn't grow. So I'm trying to lead by example. So what I would tell somebody to do is declare what you want, break it down into measurable activities that you can then track daily or weekly, declare the goals, the target, the measure, and then report it weekly. And if you, you, know, if you really want to get ballsy, report it publicly so that you can be mocked if you miss and you can be celebrated if you exceed. I don't care what you're doing or what you want to do. You want to start a YouTube channel. For example, Casey from Brick by Brick. She has been talking about starting a YouTube channel for the year that she and I have been doing this. Yesterday's interview at the end, I think it posts later today. It might be tomorrow. I put her on the spot. I'm like, enough's enough, Casey. When's the first video come? So I think it was going to come next Thursday by 5 p.m. So I'm going to hold her accountable. Um, guys, it's, it's time. It's, you've done enough. You've bought enough books. You're motivated enough. Break it down into little activities. Set your targets and go. For example, meet two new people a week. Look at your buy box five days in a row. I mean, there are simple things that you can do to move the ball forward and get better. So, yeah, let, let's 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 move in 2024. I agree with Gary V. Uh, Dion, any closing thoughts on this? I think when you're talking about. Uh those goals meet two people. I think people should really focus on the difference between outcome and output. Mm. The outcome is I want to have another rental this year. You can't control that. You might not find a good deal, which means yeah. you might lower your standard so far you buy a bad deal. Exactly. But will I meet two people? Will I look at least 30 minutes a day at, at deals in my market? You can control the output. And that the more output you control, the better outcome you're going to have this year. Yeah. And one of the things that uh, Matt, you and I know being salespeople and ultimately sales leaders is that's that's what we're trying to do. Is sure. We're trying to track and measure and tweak output because we know at the end, enough good output leads to good outcomes. And I think too many, too many people chase the end goal. I want a million of this. I want two million of that. And it's like... You, you haven't you haven't done anything to earn that. I mean, you you, you know what are you thinking? So, uh, what do you think about you know our track record of being sales leaders and managing teams? Because I think this really ties together about doing the work. Well, it's the ten thousand minutes of preparation that leads to the one moment of opportunity. Welcome to the real world. You know, <laughs> I, I mean, everyone. You know, it's I don't call the deals. I don't get losses because for some reason I decided not to proceed, mm -hmm. but I still had to do the work on them. I still had to figure it out. I still had to run all the numbers. I still had to look at it and go, yeah, but at that number, it just doesn't make sense. And so, yeah, you, you don't do a bunch of deals. You do a bunch of deals. I used to be really proud of the fact that I always closed. Mm. And then I was like, that's stupid. Yeah, exactly. I was like, maybe I, yeah, it's dumb. that sucks. Yeah. I don't want to always <laughs> want to close. Like I want to not close sometimes. And that's what happens. But you also get to the point where every single deal that you create is pretty good. And then it's just a matter of, do I really want to do this right now? That's the different question. So when you're in there building your business, it's the 10,000 minutes of preparation, quite frankly, that no one else sees or only bust your balls because you're not available. Okay. And 
Yeah. What do, what do you guys think about publicly declaring like your like goals? Like you and I have a, used to have a, or at least I used to have a quota. You probably still do. I do. But telling everybody, right? Mm -hmm. My quota is X. Or, you know, my target uh, yeah, is Y. Yeah. Yeah. Think of that. Well, uh, sure. And, uh, and I'm saying I'm not going to hit it this year. So yeah, yeah, I got, I got a quota. Yep. I'm not going to hit it either. It's ridiculous. It's absurd. Um, but we can do all the things that we need to do to prepare ourselves, to build a good solid base, yeah. um, to then have a great year next year. Yeah. Well, Dion, what do you think about that? Near as I can tell, you never had a sales quota, although you were a president of a company, so you did have a P&L. It was always um, a sales quota. Every every, oh, so we had, every three weeks, a, a new trucking class starts for training. Okay. And so it. you have to satisfy two main things. Yeah. So first of all, it's a business. You don't want to lose money. But you need to satisfy the employers that have a driver shortage that need people to move their trucks to grow, or they're going to find another source for drivers. That's ah. the main thing. And then you need to make sure that you had the right amount of students for the instructors that you had. Right. So the, the sales quota, the biggest thing I focused on in the last seven years working at the school was training office staff how to communicate. Interesting. Right. The, the, the CDL instruction portion, there's a baseline you need to get to. And then that can kind of maintain itself. But office staff turnover sales, it was it was, I would say, on, on a maybe a smaller scale, exactly the same. You were made or made or broken by that conversion point. You get somebody from all of the funnels that you've invested the hundreds of thousands of dollars to get the advertising out and the logos right. and the signs on the trailers. Do they walk in the door? Do they walk out of the door? Right. Right. Yeah. So everything is Okay. Right. And so I'll put a caveat on this. Do you tell everybody your business? Yeah. I love the public broadcasting, the Instagram, the local REI meetup groups where you have other investors that you interact with. I don't like telling friends, family. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a great colleagues. Point. Right. Yeah. Because it's, let's take YouTube as an example. I make my first 20 videos and every one of my friends and family that I naively reached out to and said, hey, can you watch this video so I can get 100 subscribers? Every single one. When did your hair fall out? Why is your shirt? Ah! Like the dumbest complaints that have nothing to do with the information I'm sharing. And then random people would reach out like Dividend Dave. Hey, I watched some of your videos. I really like it. I live three hours away. Can I drive down and meet you at your local meetup that you're going to be at anyway? I'm yeah. like, there's the support that comes from telling people. And then when I told people, when I it was 2021, I was still working and I was talking about what is financial freedom? What does it take to get there? What does my cash flow look like? Putting it out there and going, here's what it is. Here's what I want it to be. Made me sit back and go, at least a thousand people are going to watch this video. Mm. If I don't do that, that's a thousand people knowing I didn't do what I wanted to. And that was strong motivation, uh, not as strong as being able to do anything I want at any point in time, but it helped. It definitely helped. And people will reach out with, Hey, you could do this better mm -hmm. or you can, you know, this is, have you seen this deal, right? Things that would, won't happen if you're not telling people. Yeah. I don't know if you saw this, but Sean Cannell just put from think media, just put out a video saying, basically don't tell your friends and family. It's going to distort the algorithm. They're going to watch it. They're going to sign up. They're going to see a couple of, they're not, they're not the avatar. Hmm. They don't want to screw. You don't want to have the algorithm look at, oh, you must be wanting to look at, you know, I don't know, blah, blah, blah. No, I'm going this direction. But if you break the algorithm with friends and family, hmm. it's going to be a slow start. So yeah. Yeah. Know who your avatar is and talk to those people. Uh, hmm. Sean agrees be, with you. You'd be surprised how many people who know that YouTube doesn't show you who hit the dislike button, who know you, who love you. We'll hit the dislike button.
Oh, that's so sad. That's so sad. Well, you know what? Let's switch over to YouTube. All three of us have YouTube channels. Uh, I've been very clear. I don't, and if you guys want to share, which I'm sure you will, my YouTube sure. uh, AdSense is way down. I My biggest month ever was just over 10 grand. I think it was April. It might have been May of 2022. Uh, my last 28 days is, you know, that's how the report comes, has been 3,200 bucks. So, uh, you know, I'm down 68%. And I think this is a trend that is actually going to be net positive. Um, but let's just talk about money. Everybody likes to talk about money. Uh, Matt, what's going on in your world? What was your best month and uh, what are we currently at? <laughs> best month, if I remember, it was probably 300 bucks, okay. 350 bucks right around there. Um, okay. And I was just flipping through to look. And this month I am dominating at $120.07. So you're down about 70% as well. Mm -hmm. All right. Yep. Dion, best month and what's going on currently? So to understand this, I would probably want to look at what your best months were, Mike, when you were doing seven days a week versus the two days where you don't do live morning updates, because that's a large impact of your videos. Mm -hmm. And Matt, sure. before the sale of the company, you were doing two or um, three. Tuesday, yeah. three amigos. I think Thursday, it was just you and Mike. And then Friday, we would alternate and do a live stream every other Friday, which we haven't done in six months, right? So you're, you're doing less videos. You're doing a different type of video, Mike. Mm -hmm. um, my revenue is also down. So I was, I think my best year, best month was like 700 bucks off of YouTube, right? So I could totally retire off that and never have to. Own <laughs> yeah. You were, right. you were balling on 700 bucks. Right. Yeah. And um, so it's hovering <laughs> five, 550. I think this oh, month okay. it's, it's at like 470, yeah. but there's always, it's 28 days, right? So a full yeah. month is always a little bit more than what you see. Um. So revenue is down. I'm doing pretty much the same number of videos. I'm getting the same number of views. I stopped doing shorts as much. Uh, they, but that's like, you know, ten thousand views is twenty seven cents, right? Yeah, so it's, it's like, like three three pennies, right? <laughs> and, but on the videos, and I've never really looked at it like that. What I've looked at is, and it's not subscriber count. Um, no. I, I do like that as like a personal. I could celebrate. I did that, but that doesn't impact. Yeah. It's it's how many views do you get, and. Uh, I'm always confused at the video that gets a ton of views. And then the one that I thought like, okay, that's got something in it. And I'm like, Oh, but 200 people watched it. Mm. Um, I haven't for about a month. This is the biggest change with YouTube to me up until November, maybe, maybe beginning of December. It was three or four emails a day of, Hey, would you like a sponsorship, a partnership with this, the Ridge wallet, the, this oh. lighting system, this, uh, uh, track your finances out because Mint was closing it. So I got like 15 companies that reached out. You, hey, you know what's really funny? You you get a lot of, I never get any of those. 50 some thousand. I have never gotten, I think I've gotten like three in a year. It's huh. funny. It's wonder, okay. wonder, I don't Cause I'm not, on, I'm not paid to be on. There's, there's a platform you can pay to have your channel on that. Um, uh, advertise. You're just, a good, you're just a good teacher. That's all it is. I produce I too much content. I, I break stuff. Maybe I just look gullible and they're like, oh, he'll do <laughs> stuff because he wants to, right. And so I've not, when I did it, so if I had sponsors, I did the Ridge Wallet once. I did not like it. So I don't do it anymore. <laughs> I was like, I would never use this wallet. Um, there goes any future chance of having that on my channel. But uh, no, and and um, consistently the Amazon associate link is 
mm. it's not changed. I'm getting exactly that. Um, I think I hover between two to three thousand spiky month here or there, and I haven't. It's, so I want to I want to mm. talk about that. That's something that's actually on my spreadsheet because of you, right? Amazon links, and just so I I know how it works. You recommend a book. You do recommend a lock, like you guys have done a couple of times. They click on that link. It goes to Amazon, and then for 24 hours, if they buy anything, you get a couple of pennies. That's that's you do, and it and doesn't cost doing... the buyer anything more. Right. And I, actually, that for me started on social media before YouTube. Like, and, you like do, had... and you get two grand, at least two grand a month it's, from it's, that. It, it's years because what it is is when somebody picks up an Audible, right? You, you get your five dollars, but then when they renew a subscription. Right. Get so it again. that takes a slow stack of you get you get $14, $67 for two or three years, and then all of a sudden it's $400 consistently, and then whatever happens, and then it's $800 consistently, and then whatever happens. So if anybody has a social media platform, you're on TikTok, you're like Casey with By Brick By Brick. She had 20,000 people on Instagram, but she's just now starting YouTube. Her Instagram could have been thousands of dollars a month, and it's not the thing that you're selling. It's link something that shows that people will have interest in that they will then go look at Amazon with to get that 24 hour cookie on there. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't cost the person anything more. Yeah. And okay. I'm one of the reasons why I'm a supporter of Amazon. Here's like a behind the scenes thing is I'm a 2% owner of a headphones company. Oh, right? so I don't get any revenue from it. I'm a 2% owner. If there ever sale, I put it was 20,000 pounds. So 27,000 American dollars to purchase originally. And if this thing ever sells, I'm going to reap 2% of it. There's no, cash out to they're talking on the board of, of doing that but there's nothing yet so i haven't made any money on it but that company's growing because of uh walmart mexico and amazon europe like they're working on amazon us so this is a small company that is going to get to grow gain exponential growth because it's on the amazon platform and so anything that you buy on amazon everybody's like oh amazon makes so much money yes but everybody that's selling it there not everything's owned by Amazon. Like you're you're right. supporting your local business that's able to sell sure. on Amazon. Sure. And uh, so I kind of enjoy being a, a part of that. And and I, I recommend that to anybody with social media, not just YouTube. Got it. All right. Well, I've started doing that. I made four bucks last week, buddy. Four bucks. Nice. That's, that's nice. where it starts. <laughs> My first check, I think, from them was I seriously said fourteen dollars because I think that's what it was. Yeah. In a month, fourteen bucks. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's if it's if it's fifteen hundred, I think. Oh, what did I do wrong this month? <laughs> that's awesome well let's get back to youtube because i think what we're going to find it, it's actually i want to step back i've been thinking about this a lot the last month all three of us have built real estate portfolios one at a time over a decade maybe two decades and we know what delayed gratification is. We know what sacrifice is. We know what it's like to see a little trickle. We know what the hard, I mean, just all of that, right? I am now seeing social media and specifically YouTube, which is where I'm active, the same freaking way. It's slow. It's a grind. It's not instant. However, just like real estate, there are these things that come up that are flash in the pans that are get rich quick that ultimately burn out. I actually now believe that given the drop in you know, YouTube or AdSense or whatever you wanna call that, income, we're gonna see the fly-by-night crash bros who tapped into the vein of fear and doom, who have never done anything, have never added value anywhere, who are renters who make pretty charts or failed mortgage brokers, they're going to disappear yep. because again, they got, they exploded 
like, you know, their best months, I'm sure were 20, 40, 50, a hundred thousand dollars. That's addicting. <clears throat> sure. And you add, they, you start they don't have the skills to make that anywhere else. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, and, and oh, by the way, nor should they tap into the vein, hit, repeat, hit, repeat, hit, repeat. But I think just like everything that's hot in real estate, that will go away. Sure. They'll, they'll see it roll off. And the other thing, this is the big one. And I actually got this from Spencer Cornelia. Um, it's hard to live in that world because yeah. everybody who's commenting is also <laughs> negative and jaded and all of that. And yep. you just get in this toxic world that eventually it's just, it, it's, it's got to crush the soul. So yeah, you might've make some money, but are you willing to sell your soul and be unhappy? I think, I think we're going to go through a culling and, and some of these folks are going to disappear or rebrand or do something else. Matt, what do you think of all that? Yes. That's exactly what's <laughs> going to happen. I love That's it. exactly what's going to happen. Look at the top 10 YouTube channels 10 years ago. Hmm. Are any of them still the same? No idea. Nope. Yeah, probably not. But... Nope, they aren't. And so it, it goes with the times. And even as dynamic as fill in the blank, any of these guys are, eventually the story is going to be over. And then are people going to be wanting to watch it because eventually they're going to be right. There's going to be some market that corrects to over 20% and it's a crash. Mm. Eventually they'll be right. Eventually. You know, I've been calling it for seven years. That makes you wrong for six. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> right. So eventually they're going to, you know, see that. And I think that that's when, and I've even seen it. I looked at some of the numbers just because I was curious. And it's true. Like people that averaged 50,000 to 75,000 views a video are now getting 16, 21, 23 consistently. Mm -hmm. Well, not only are you getting paid less, but your viewership is off 70% because there are some smart people out there that are starting to realize all you did was cost them a fortune. Now wait for the class action lawsuit. Yeah. When you get 10,000 people that said, I watched all of his content, thought he was an expert. He proclaimed to be an expert. He wasn't an expert. And so, you know, I'm, we're going to class action sue him because he constantly gave financial advice that, and he wasn't a financial advisor and he wasn't even good at what he did. Mm. So I'm waiting to see when that starts happening. But yeah, the, all of the, just like anything else, every market, whether it's a real estate market, a car market, look at where cars are now. You know, cars, used cars, people that were paying thirty and $50,000 premiums. Well, guess what? Now they're negative equity. They're like 140%. They're taking loans out on their new cars to be able to get the new next car. Trucks, $100,000 for a new truck. Are you high? Are you high? A hundred grand? No way. So I just look at it and it's like, there's going to be the same thing. You know, the, the issue is, is that on housing, you can't buy a cheaper house. You can yeah. buy a cheaper car. You can buy a cheaper car for cash. Yeah. I, In our I world, they call that a tent. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of folks again, who, who came into the game, 2020, 21, 22 had great months better than mine. Right. My best was 10. And then they start adding people. They start adding editors. They start adding all this fixed cost. Then things roll over. The stick is over. Yep. The time in the, the time in the sun is gone. It's, you know, in real estate investing, there's always like the best tool. Like today, sub two or creative financing is the best tool. In 2012, it was Burr, right? I mean, there's just different times for different things. 
And uh, if you don't change or evolve, you're just going to go broke. And again, if you live in doom, you're going to, you're just going to ultimately be miserable and depressed. Yeah. Uh, How's that Dion, doing? Yeah, exactly. Dion, you're the best teacher of all of us. You live in this world. You've been doing this a long time. What do you think about uh, what, what might evolve as, as revenue goes down? So I'm going to take a position that's going to shock most people and Matt, especially. Oh, no. The contrarian. Ugh. Oh, shocking. Never would, shocking. Never would have guessed it. Never would have guessed. So there was a channel that was doing pretty good. Matt was even interviewed on the channel. Uh, it's a Crash Bro channel. I don't want to name his channel. To no, support we don't do that. that right? no. And two days ago, came out with a video. Biggest crash ever, just around the corner. 114,000 oh, yeah? views in two days. 114. So, wow. And 114,000. That one video, two days, 114. It's still up. It's only been out there two days. I just saw that this morning. So the crash bros will eventually be right, right? The crash of the crash bros will eventually be right, but we're not there yet. Oh, no. Yeah. The, no the recession. This is an election year. This is all the doom and gloom that the, the 114,000 views are going to continue. There are some people who produce not good videos. Right. I mean, it's just bonkers that they could suck that bad. But and people will see what I did there. Uh, and yeah, the, the, their views are down. But other channels where they're doing what you said, Mike, they've now got editors, they've got teams for thumbnails and everything. They've got all their all these overhead going out. When their revenue goes down, they might be in a situation where they have to significantly downsize. They might have to shut down their channel. They might have to rebrand. But I think like the real estate crash, we're somewhere between five and 10 years before that being a huge impact. And, and Matt's mm. right where the channels that were out eight years ago, the average length of a YouTube channel is seven years. At, at oh, seven okay. years, they, they they change or go away. And I don't know if that's creative burnout or that the niche got overpopulated, whatever it is. Uh, I, I don't see the crash bros slowing down enough yet. Mm. What, what I see, and, and this is the part where it's the contrarian view, um, the, the chip shortage, right? Mm -hmm. It started happening. And so look at how many YouTube channels blew up with ch chip videos. Meet mm -hmm. Kevin really became famous, blew up because the pandemic started. And three times a day, he did stimulus updates. Stimulus, stimulus. Three stimulus. hours later, here's what we know now. In three hours, and it was brilliant because he got millions of subscribers. And now he could talk about whatever he wants. It's a great way to grow a channel. So YouTube algorithm has a thing called, and, and um, vidIQ and um, what's Sean Kennell, his channel. Think Media. Think Media, right? So that's the one I actually watched the most. I went to the other one because this guy's bald probably. But they they will tell you, here's the key terms that are trending. You can actually subscribe to them and they'll tell you if you're in this space, you search it and here's the words you want to use in your title and thumbnail. Right now, here's what's trending. Quitting YouTube. Mm. Open up every single channel, go through every thread. It doesn't matter the genre. It could be cooking. It could be real estate. It could be equestrian stuff. It is quitting YouTube. And some of it is a few, they're quitting YouTube. 99% of what I've seen is here's why people are quitting YouTube. Ah. But are they? Or yeah. is it trending? Yeah, I put out a video like that. I didn't even know it was trending. I well, good. That's probably got a lot of views. Yeah, it did. It did have a lot of views. It was very good. So, uh, <laughs> The other thing I want to talk about kind of as we wrap up our first, uh, you know, full length podcast, here's the three amigos is I want to harp on the fact that I still think folks like uh, Casey from Brick by Brick or any of kind of art network, I think they should create a channel because I want people that chase impact. 
and again, back to some of our earlier conversations, it's not about your friends and family. It's about establishing a tribe or your kind of community that you move forward together. You get, you get a feedback loop. It is an amazing thing to have a YouTube channel that is also a community. And when you do it long enough, you can throw an event, right? We have an event with, you know, 300 people flying in, or at least most of them flying in. Um, we do a virtual events all the time. And it's just such a, it's just, I am happy because I have a YouTube channel, because we are impacting people. So I tell people having a YouTube channel is amazing. Go do it, but chase impact, not dollars. Matt, what do you think? Yes. That's what we do. I do my live stream on Sundays. I hang out with people for 90 minutes or two hours. I answer their questions. I tell them what I experienced this week. It's not work. It's not work. Yeah. It's great to get away and spend some time with people that are like-minded that, you know, sadly I've made bigger mistakes than they have that have more zeros on them. Yeah. And so I'm, if you're humble from the perspective that you're happy to share your mistakes, share them all the time. Um, and so people are like, well, how did you know that? I was like, cause I did it wrong three times before that. Yeah. <laughs> and th that's the brilliance. I just want to save you the, save you the money. So yeah. yeah, from my perspective, it's, it's always about, you know, the people that send in the email and just say, Hey, your course was awesome. Like mm -hmm. save me 5,000 bucks. And I'm like, awesome. Like return on capital in 30 days. Where are you going to get that? Yeah. And so that's what it's about. It's much more about people that want to evolve, take the next step, invest in themselves, get that next thing. I love seeing new people. I always welcome to the channel because mm. it's great to see them. You know, and then we have posers like Jay from this Sunday who came on and said something about how he's got 50,000 bucks and he's making, you know, $800 a month on it. And I said, you know, if you're going to lie, at least make it believable. You know, that's yeah. like, that's like 18% returns and no yeah. risk. No one believes you. Yeah. So um, don't be surprised if that investment disappears with your 50 grand. Um, but that's the thing is it's being able to be a part of people's journey. We, other people were a part of ours, oh, no you know, doubt. and there's nothing that benefits them more. I, the guy that got me into high-tech sales works for me now. And I thank him quite often. I there say, you thank you. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Because it changed the entire trajectory of my life as a high school dropout, changed the entire trajectory of my life, my life. So, yeah, so I like to be a part of that for other people. And that's what we get. That's the impact that it makes, not the 7,500 or whatever subscribers I have. Yeah. Matt, where can matter. people find you in that Sunday live stream? Uh, Lumberjack Landlord on YouTube and on Instagram. And uh, yeah, just come ask, ask your questions. We're, we don't make fun of people who ask questions. Not at all. So Dion chasing impact versus money and uh, bring us home. So here's what I'll wrap up with short and sweet. The more people you help, the better your life will be. You can find me right here on YouTube, Dion Talk Financial Freedom, where I do my live streams every Tuesday, 4 p.m. Pacific, and I answer all of the questions that come in, even the ones that make me blush. Oh, look. There you go, folks. The more people you help, the better your life will be. Absolutely. There you go. Dion, thank you. Matt, thank you. Talk next week.